Welcome out, everybody. It occurs to me that maybe I should probably do a better job of introducing myself. So for one thing, I think that people have a hard time understanding when I'm being serious and when I'm kidding. Now, that is difficult, okay? And it's easier when I'm around people and I can kind of gauge their reactions and, and adjust accordingly. But when I'm just talking to doing the show, uh, even with the live stream, it's it's difficult to to know <laughs> when too much is too much. And people in general have a hard time understanding what I'm kidding. So just kind of look for that. I have a very dry sense of humor. I, 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 I try to say that was a joke sometimes, but I don't always do that. Um, so that that's just something that's been pointed out to me. And I, I certainly don't want to isolate anybody because they think that I'm just a horrible person and that I'm making all these terrible comments. Um, sometimes I will use humor to diffuse tense situations. Like if I'm talking about something that's super uncomfortable, I try to shift my tone and speak about it in a way that is not too aggressive, right? Because if it's something that people may respond to negatively, which that is going to come up today <laughs> um, conveniently, I, I try to say it in a way that is coming from a place of kindness. And I'm, I'm not just saying like, oh, you suck, you're doing this, whatever, because I don't want to isolate anybody. I don't want to alienate anybody. But that being said, let's go ahead and jump into it. I got a couple things pulled up. So the first one, we're going to talk about an article that was in WebMD Health News. It was written by Marta Zara Zaraska. I think is how you say that. This is fairly recent. This is back in a couple of weeks ago. So it's talking about the, I won't get into the whole article. I'm going to post some of it though. They talk about how helping other people improves your health. And I have talked a good bit about how this does help with your mental health in particular, but this is saying that it actually helps your health, your physical health in general. And that's not terribly surprising to me, but I'm going to try to make some quotes here and use to, to, to reference this study somewhat. And maybe that will that will resonate with people in a different way. And we've got a few other things to talk about as well. So I want to read off a little bit here. Giving support to family and friends, as well as formal volunteering, are linked to lower levels of, and I'm probably going to say this wrong, but interleukin-6, which is a marker of inflammation. So to keep things simple, we're just going to say inflammation, but that's 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 what they're using as a marker. So giving that support to family and friends, that, that basically makes you less anxious, right? We've talked about that from a philosophical and spiritual standpoint a good bit, but they're showing that there's a tangible effect on your health as well. And I'm going to, I'm going to share my thoughts on that in just a second, but they also point out something that I think is worth noting. Obesity is one likely culprit deriving or excuse me, driving chronic inflammation since as much as 30% of this marker into leukin-6 may be produced by fat tissue, also linked to chronic inflammation, our poor diet, pollution, stress, and smoking. Okay, so remember, I try to look at things from a holistic standpoint. If you're depressed, maybe you need medication. I have no idea. I'm not here to say whether or not you're, you, know, you need that. That's not my place. I'm not a doctor. That being said, though, I really think that the philosophy you should have is one of the least toxic approach. What is going to be the least harmful? Pharmaceuticals may be life-saving in some situations, but they also have a lot of side effects. So if you are depressed, if you're in a really bad spot and you absolutely need something, that's that's a bit different. But if you're, like I'm dealing with depression right now, I really am, I'm going through a difficult time in my life. This is just, a this phase is just really hard on me for a lot of reasons. That doesn't need, that doesn't mean that I need medication, okay? 
And again, this is, I'm, I'm sharing from my personal standpoint. I'm actually going through stuff. There's reasons why I feel this way. Okay. Now, if you were to say, okay, I'm overweight, I'm lonely, I don't have much of a sense of purpose in life, and maybe a couple other factors too. Um, I hate my job, I'm stressed out, I don't have a good income. If you take those things together, it, it, you kind of should be depressed, right? Because depression is your body's way of saying, it's your unconscious mind's way of saying something's wrong. My life is not what it could be. I'm not happy. I'm not, this, this is not serving me. This is not good for me. The, the unconscious can't communicate that to you by saying, Hey, stop doing this. It has to make you feel something. That's the language that it uses. Same thing with anxiety, right? There's a reason that you feel anxious. And when you just say, well, I just am anxious. That's just who I am. I need something to numb that. Well, you're actually just suppressing your body's internal communication mechanism. You're, you're suppressing that, that communication that should be going back and forth between your conscious and unconscious mind. So when you don't pay attention to your emotions, when you don't take them for what they are are meant to be, which is warning signs, they're, they're little flags that go up and say, hey, stop doing this or do more of that, whatever. When you, when you suppress that, you don't actually get down and do the work, okay? Now, it's interesting because there's a particular person that I'm thinking of right now, and I will be super, super vague because it's possible that people in my life may hear this, that, that also know this person. So I'm gonna be incredibly vague about this, but I know that this person is dealing with depression and I feel for him and I want to help him. He's not super receptive to my advice. Totally fine, I get it. I'm a lot younger than he is. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff going on and he kind of doesn't really want to, he's not ready to address those big problems yet. And I'm, I'm respectful of that. And I, I know people that listen to the show sometimes think that I'm just super abrasive all the time. That's not the case. I'm actually pretty, um, considerate of people when we're speaking in person. It's when it's in the, the depths of the internet that I'm very just like, okay, I don't know who I'm talking to, so we're just going to be honest and whatever. But I'm, I'm much more tactful in person, right? Because I want to have, and, and sometimes I'm, I'm not, sometimes I am abrasive. It just, it depends. But I can't, he, he, he tells me about his struggles. He's got real stuff going on too, though, right? It's not just that he's depressed, like he's he's kind of dug himself into a hole. He's in a particular situation that, you know, we all make mistakes. I certainly am, am no different than that. Part of the reason I'm depressed is because of my past mistakes, right? And he's dealing with the consequences of some of his actions. He's dealing with the consequences of the, the mindset that he has allowed himself to become entrenched in. He's not physically healthy. He doesn't have the best family life. His family is is interacting with him in a particular way they're mirroring they're mirroring him they're taking after him and so they're going through struggles because of that and so there's this really complicated situation and he keeps saying yeah I just don't know what I'm gonna do blah 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 I just gotta take something for it it's like dude like start taking control of what you can like it's a holistic approach right it's not you're not depressed just because you're depressed there's a number of factors and it's not simple it's never simple mental health is a real issue and it's complicated i'm not saying that getting in shape is going to cure everything it's just not the case but it does help it is one of the pillars of mental health if you are physically healthy that is going to make your body operate much more efficiently which means that you are you're not going to have the same issues in your physical brain as you would if you were unhealthy, right? And if your physical brain is healthy, it operates more efficiently. And so it gives you the space to be able to do the internal work. You, it, it's hard to it's hard to think your way, you, well, you can't think your way out of depression, but it's very difficult to change your mindset when your, your physical brain, like the actual organ is unhealthy, 
right? If it's super inflamed, you've got all these health issues. And there, there's more than just being overweight that goes into this, obviously. But exercise is super important. Your mindset is super important. And then this study, this article is showing how important the social connections are as well. Now, it points out there's other things too, poor diet. So chemicals, you know, you say, well, I'm chemically imbalanced. Well, the chem you eat chemicals, right? There's chemicals in artificial food. There's, there's nutrients in real food. So when you don't get the good nutrients from real food that you need and you're replacing that with artificial chemicals like sweeteners and preservatives and all that sort of crap, well, you're going to be chemically unbalanced because that's what you're eating. Uh, pollution is something that we can only do so much about. Air pollution, if you move out to the countryside, you're going to have cleaner air. You're going to have hopefully cleaner water. Depends, again, on where you're at. Again, only so much you can do about this. If you're stuck in New York City, maybe you move out of New York City, but maybe that's not what you want to do, okay? So there's certain things you can do to mitigate those effects, but you absolutely can take control of your diet. You absolutely can take control over your, your exercise. Stress, that's another one. It's difficult. We're not going to get super in-depth into it today because it's just that's too broad of a topic. Um, but there are things you can do to reduce your stress and to strategies that you can use to deal with stress better, okay? I'm not saying avoid stress. I'm saying that it, it is an impact. It's one of those pillars. And the other one that they use in here is smoking. Um, I love smoking cigars. I'll be totally honest. I've, I've kind of picked cigarettes back up over the last few weeks. I need to stop. Um, one of those things that, you know, just willpower, everything else is crashing down around me. It's like, well, you only have so much willpower in the day. It's like, okay, well, I'm doing all this other stuff and cigarettes happen to be there. So I'm going to quit that. I'll let you guys know what I have. Um, but that's just to say, listen, like I get it. I'm not perfect. I understand what other people are going through. I go through it too. And I go through phases where I'm super successful for a while. And then I make bad decisions, smoking, for example, or I stop sleeping, or maybe I, I slip into those negative thought patterns again, right? Like it's a struggle. It's a journey. It's not something that you ever master, but you can get progressively better. You can, your life can be on an upwards trajectory. Even if, even if the daily um, ups and downs don't seem like a straight upwards direction, in general, you can be moving upwards. And that, that, that upward spiral is very real and it's very important. Okay, to keep reading, being more helpful was linked to lower levels of inflammation no matter the person's weight, age, or gender. Giving support to others predicted chronic, chronic inflammation to a similar degree, in quotation marks, to a similar degree, as did body mass index. Okay, so that's super interesting. Again, holistic approach. People have criticized me for saying, like, your response to everything is to go to the gym. It's like, well, are you going to the gym, right? <laughs> like, if you're not willing to take that very basic step, like, I shouldn't have to say, if you're physically unhealthy, you're probably going to be mentally unhealthy, right? I'm not saying that it's going to fix everything, but that if you're not doing that, then do you really even care about your mental health or do you just like to complain about it? Do you have a right to say, well, I just don't feel good when you don't make yourself physically healthy so that you can actually physically feel good. Again, not going to solve all your problems, but it's an important first step. But this is super interesting. This is another pillar. So the way that you interact with other people is just as important for your chronic inflammation as or your, your markers of inflammation as that physical health. So when you are involved in a giving and a reciprocal giving community, that helps you tremendously, not just psychologically, but also physically. And those things play off of each other, obviously. To keep reading, several studies have linked social integration, quotation marks, to the extent which a person takes part in their community with the body's immune response. So 
the more connected you are to other people and, and, and real connection to not just being around people, but actually connected that helps your immune system. You, you, you fight off diseases better. You get over colds better, quicker, right? People who don't provide much support to those they're close with tend to have higher inflammation levels, even if they're surrounded by family and friends. So again, that, that's, that's saying that it's not just about being around people. There has to be that relationship. There has to be that uh, reciprocity where you are giving to them and you're also receiving back. Now, finding that community can be difficult. I totally understand that, but that's why I'm so big on making it a goal. That's why I'm so, I, I always talk about like, stop trying to do this in isolation. You're not going to just pull yourself out of all of your troubles by yourself. You need people. You need people to give you feedback. You need people to give you that connection. We are hardwired to be social creatures and to deny that is very silly. And just look around at the world today, at, at our culture, the way that we've set everything up. We're more isolated than we ever have been before, even though it seems like we're not sometimes because we have things like social media, we have our phones, but it's, it's not the same, right? And even if we have that, that contact, we don't have the connection, right? We don't have that closeness, the vulnerability, the intimacy. We just don't have, it's not the same. So this is saying that even if you are around people, if you're not involved in that give and take, if you're not actually doing things for those people, making sacrifices for them and receiving value back in return, it, it actually doesn't make much of a difference. Okay, so in other words, those who benefit from social in integration are not only takers, but also givers. Next thing says, common wisdom suggests that we should practice self-care to improve well-being, which is something that just drives me crazy. You've heard me go off in self-care before. Self-care, by the way, is not taking a bubble bath. Self-care is not taking a walk in the park. It, it can be to some extent. Self-care is not sitting down and journaling. Self-care is actually taking care of yourself, making sure that you eat correctly, making sure that you go to bed on time so you have enough sleep, making sure that you prioritize your, um, you know, your the, the, the things that are actually going to pr provide value to you. So instead of saying, well, I'm going to take the evening off and just rest and watch TV, you can do that sometimes, but if that's if that's your go-to and you're saying, well, this is self-care, no, it's not. Self-care is meditation, it's reading, it's spending time with people that give you value, it's spending time getting correction from people that have more wisdom than you that can say, hey, you're, you're screwing this up. It's not pleasant, but it is actually taking care of yourself. Um, okay, and then the, the second part of what he said was, or she said was, but a, a 2022 study showed that we may be better off pampering others instead, which is super interesting because it totally defies culture. But hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Guess what? Our culture these days is not happy. They're depressed. They're anxious. They're lonely. They're frantic. Life sucks for most people. So why would you take after them? Stop reading these memes on Instagram or seeing these these idiots on TikTok that are saying, would you still care of yourself? Like, like, no, like that's not how we're meant to function. We're supposed to be part of a society. We're supposed to have uh, meaningful relationships. And you may say, well, that's great, Jack, but I don't have anybody around me that I can do that with. How do I get that? You know, my family, they're all toxic. My relationships are all toxic. My friends all suck. 
Well, if your friends all suck, maybe you suck. You need to find better friends. And to do that, you need to be a better person. If you say, well, my family is dysfunctional, congratulations, you're a human being on the planet Earth. All of our families are dysfunctional. People are kind of surprised sometimes because I'm big on saying, listen, like if you're a young person, and you're trying to find your way in life, you have to make your own decisions to some extent. And so if your family's saying, go be an engineer and you don't, you can't do math and you, like you hate math, you don't want to be an engineer. You don't want to go that route. You want to go into a trade. It's like, I like working with my hands. I want to do this. Well, there's not much money. Blah, blah, blah. Like you do have to be able to make your own decisions and to, to some extent that, and people think when I say that, that means, well, how do I get away from my parents? No, no, no. It's not about getting away from your parents, except for in cases where there's actually like abuse, there's some kind of extreme circumstance that's like, it's not safe for you to be around these people, which is, it does happen, unfortunately, but it's not the norm. People will exaggerate and say, well, they're emotionally abusive. Everybody's emotionally abusive. You're emotionally weak. That's why you see it that way. <laughs> um, kidding, not kidding. Well, anyway, how do I go about doing that? Well, you start fixing those relationships. I'm not saying that you have to, if your family, if, if it's, the family life is not good, your parents are not the best people, your, your siblings are just totally different than you. That doesn't mean that they have to be your best friends, but that is the opportunity that you have to learn building good relationships and taking responsibility for fixing those bridges, for re rebuilding those bridges, is that the right phrase? Um, that's your dragon to face. That's the thing that you have to confront. It's not easy, but it's worth doing. And then there's certain things that you can do as far as getting involved in your community, uh, meeting new people, getting out there and, and finding connections with people around you, real connections with people, not stuff online. The thing is you have to make a consistent effort to do it. I've lived in this town for two years. It's only been the last few months that I've really started to make good relationships. And most of those have been through church. Um, a few of them have been, you know, through work and stuff like that. So it's, it's, it matters how much effort you put into it. It's not easy, but it's worth doing. And remember, if you're wondering, well, I'm super awkward. I'm super, I, I'm not good at doing that. Focus on giving value to other people and they will want to be around you. You can be weird. You can be awkward. You can be uncomfortable. You can be anxious. It's okay. Everyone is, they are. So if you focus on giving value to other people, they will want you around and you will always have a sense of security because of that. To keep reading, other research confirms that people who perceive their life as meaningful have reduced levels of cortisol, the stress hormone, and a better inflammatory gene, gene expression. Okay, so cortisol is that, that chemical that makes us feel anxious. That, that is the stress response. response. And I think that that's super interesting. I, actually, hold on a second. There's something I highlighted here. Uh, I'm going to keep reading. On a biological level, this means that when we care for other people, the brain's septal area, which plays a role in re reward and reinforcement, increases in activity. Okay, so when we're when we care for other people, our brain rewards us. the The reward center activates and it reinforces that behavior. It makes us feel good because that's how reward works, right? Like it, it reinforces that by making us say, oh, that was great. Let's keep doing it. And that plays a, that, that plays a role in the reinforcement increases activity while activity in the amygdala, which is the fear center goes down. Okay. So uh, about the amygdala, basically the amygdala is the, is kind of like a filter. It takes in, it's part of the unconscious in a sense. It, it takes in a huge amount of information and quickly filters out is this important, is this dangerous, or is it not? So if something, for example, I've used the example of 
you know, my mom was working in the garden and she saw a, a rubber hose out the side of her eye and she attacked it with a shovel because she was like, she thought it was a snake. So that's the amygdala quickly processing something and seeing a potential threat and freaking out and sending and overrides the, the conscious mind. And it says, just react. Okay. And so you've attacked the garden hose thinking it's a snake and it's not. And once you consciously sit there and analyze it, you realize, well, that was silly. The thing is that this is a good survival technique or it's a good that we have this because we can react very, very quickly. We don't have to think about something. We can just respond to danger. The problem is that because it is so fast and because it plays on our emotions and it plays on that very primal part of ourselves, it overwhelms the rational part of us, which is good if there's an actual physical danger that's imminent and it's, it's real. It's not so good when the danger is something that you saw on social media. The, the danger, something that, you know, so, something that you saw on TikTok, something that you see on the news. If it's an idea that comes in your head, you're, you're fantasizing about the worst case scenarios and that's what you react to. And so you, you go into a fearful state because you thought something that's not even real, your body responds to it as if it is real. So now you're freaking out over nothing, literally over nothing, right? You're scaring yourself, which is kind of funny to think about, but it's not because that's what most of anxiety is. We think, oh, this uh, I'm so uncomfortable in this social situation. I'm so nervous. And then you that person says that to you and you say, oh, I didn't know you were nervous. And they, they're surprised, like, what? What do you mean? I, I'm, I just feel really nervous. Oh, I couldn't tell, right? I feel so awkward. I do this all the time. I feel so awkward. And people are like, oh, no, you seem pretty chill. I'm like, really? I thought I was making other people uncomfortable. I'm making myself uncomfortable. I'm, I'm playing this game with, uh, to, to myself, right? And so understanding that caring for others, it gets the attention off of ourselves it puts it on something else. So we're not thinking about those worst case scenarios anymore. We're not fantasizing about, you know, negative things that could be happening. So the amygdala is not freaking out. It's, it's the brain's too focused on something external, other people. So that helps us calm down a little bit. I think it's also interesting because we, we do often feel so anxious around other people and to, to think that serving them, giving to them, providing value to them calms that down is interesting because we all have a certain, we all have reciprocity built into our, our hard wiring into our brains. And so it's kind of, it's kind of cool to think that well, if we know that we're giving value to other people, then we kind of unconsciously realize that that person is less likely to try to harm us. And so it's not about giving them as a form of payment for not attacking us. That's not the point, but it is like, look, we know that if we're good people and we're giving to other people, then they're not likely to attack us. Now, of course, there is a point of diminishing return here. If somebody just takes, takes, takes from you, then yeah, you've got to set up boundaries. And in general, you have to set boundaries because people usually are not paying attention and they're not going to sit there and say, you know what, this, this guy's giving me too much. She's being too nice to me. I think that is wearing her out. I think that it's, it's costing him too much energy. Let's, let's set that boundary. Let's just, let's pull back. Most people are ourselves included are not, are not paying attention in that way. So we do have, so we can assume that other people aren't as well. So we have to set those boundaries for them. That's okay. Some people of course are just takers. Some people are very toxic and they just, they think that they're entitled to it. You know, the, the kind of people that, uh, where did I read this? I think it was Dennis Prager that said, he was talking about, um, 
raising kids and how a lot of culture, a lot of society these days tries to steer away. They, they focus on affirming the kids' self-esteem over teaching them to be good people, right? And so when you just shower them with attention and, and affirmation, what you end up doing is you make a narcissist because that person grows up and they think, well, I just deserve to have admiration all the time. I, I deserve to be affirmed all the time. And they don't have that habit of humility in a sense. They don't have that habit of, you know, self-reflection and realizing maybe I did do something wrong. Okay. So that's an interesting point too. Um, you do have to, you have to take care of yourself, right? I'm not saying just give, only give. Yes, set boundaries, figure out what you can do and what you can't do. And also don't don't base your self-worth on how useful you are to other people because that's still an external thing. That's still something that is coming from outside of you. Okay. So that's the first thing. We're going to move on to the next article. This one was written by uh, Manny, Maine. Yakubian, Yakubian. I'm sorry. I'm so bad with names. Um, I, I genuinely don't know how to pronounce this name. I'm sorry. Whoever wrote it, they hear me. Feel free to chastise me. Send me a voice recording of you saying your name correctly. This one's on side post. Um, and I don't, I don't totally, by the way, I don't totally agree with this. It's kind of, it feels like a pop psychology kind of thing. It's less technical, but there is some interesting talking points on here. So this one, this article is talking about people's ability to detect BS um, and how a lot of people have a blind spot for BS. And this is another reason why I think that this is kind of a pseudo pop psychology sort of thing, because they, they have to use this language. I think it's fine to use that as clickbait, but that's the only word that they use. So the point of it though, is to figure out, do people have a blind spot for for figuring out, for detecting when people are lying to them or feeding them garbage. And I think that the obvious answer to that is duh. It's just that we think that we don't have that same blind spot. So I'm going to use this, I'm going to kind of, kind of play off of this. I'm not really going to get into the article too much. Um, but basically they tried to figure out, is there a way to figure out if, um, if people are bad at figuring out when others are lying to them, bad at detecting deceit, bad at detecting, what's the, what's the word? Um, nonsense, I suppose. And a couple things came up from this. So they cited a couple different studies and essentially there's a few, there's a few factors in here. One is that people who make intuitive decisions, tend to be worse at figuring out when somebody is deceiving them. And that's super interesting because a lot of times people think I, I I'm always arguing, arguing with people about intuition because people think, well, intuition is such a powerful thing. And it is, but the, the, the problem with it is that it's an emotion, it's a feeling. And so you can't actually express or articulate where it comes from. And so sometimes it's because it is coming from deep within you, maybe even from a spiritual place, and it is a sort of guidance. But it's it's all too easy to confuse that with the other feelings, 
with the other things that are inside of you. So for example, maybe you're trying to decide what college you want to go to and you tour a few places and you, you pick one and you think, well, I was just, I had the intuition that this was right for me. Well, do, did you though? Because advertisers will put pictures of attractive people or uh, images of attractive people next to their product. And it works because our brain works through association. So when you think of that product in the future, it automatically triggers the memory of that attractive person. And so even though you're not consciously thinking, well, if I buy this car, then maybe this girl will date me. She'll just show up and just be there. She'll come with the car. Or she'll, she'll find me at the gas station. I, I don't know. And you know, if it's like a McLaren or something, maybe it will happen. But if it's like a Toyota Camry, probably not. But the thing is that you've seen this. And so when you think of buying the car, it your brain goes back into its memory banks and it accesses the memory of like, what do I know about this car? What interactions have I had with it? What is already there? And that automatically triggers all the associations with it. And one of those happens to be this attractive person. So now it's just, it's linked. And so you don't sit there and consciously think about that person. You might not even know that you remember it, but you remember the feeling that was associated with it. So now you feel drawn to it in some mysterious way. And again, we like to think that that doesn't happen to us, but it does because this works. <laughs> That's why they do it. It works. So maybe you went to the school trying to figure out, do I want to go to this college? And maybe you saw an attractive person there and you think, no, I didn't decide because that guy was standing there, that girl was in class and I just happened to notice. That's not why I picked this. Okay, maybe not, but it could be a factor. And how's that going to present itself? You're going to feel drawn to that school. Maybe it reminds you of your childhood in some way. It, it reminds you of something that you saw on TV. Growing up as a kid, you watched a TV show and the college in the show or they went to a college was built in the same style. And you don't even know that that's where it's coming from. So interesting point with that. I didn't think about that just now. I grew up watching um, the TV show Psych, which is hysterical. It's a fantastic show. And I hadn't, I haven't seen it in quite a while, but I noticed, and this is like, this was like one of those random epiphanies that just hit you out of nowhere. Last year I was working door to door um, sales in Charlotte, North Carolina, down the city. And there's a lot of neighborhoods in there that just like, just drew me in. Like I just had like this crazy nostalgia and I just felt like I should be here. You know, and I was like, I feel like this is like just the perfect place to have a home. And I hate the city. So <laughs> I don't understand why I feel this way. I don't actually want to live here, but like I got to do. And then a few months ago, pretty recently, I was watching the show again in one of those rare moments where I actually have time to watch TV. And I happened to notice that, and of course, it's a, t it's a movie set. It's not a real neighborhood, but it, the houses were all built in the same style as the city that I was in as these neighborhoods. So it was like the same paneling or whatever. I don't know the technical term, but they look the same is the point that I'm getting at. And it, it just really occurred, occurred to me. Like I watched this, this show so much as a kid, I can't like, it would be silly for me to say that that didn't get embedded in my unconscious and that it didn't draw me in because it obviously did. And that's super freaky to think about because we like to think that we don't have these blind spots, but the reality is that we do. So what are the things that keep us, from what, what are the things that make these blind spots? Too many to get into today, but there's a few good points that the article makes. One is that people who think that they're good at picking up on BS, lies, 
those are actually the people that are not good at it. They are, and not only are they not good at it, they tend to be more confident. So the more confident you are that you can tell when somebody is deceiving you, the more likely it is that you are going to be deceived. And part of that comes from the fact that you're not paying as much attention. When you, when you, the, and the reverse is also true. People who are good at figuring out, did somebody lie to me? Are they full of crap? Those people tend to be very critical of their abilities and they tend to doubt their abilities, but they, because of that doubt, they actually pay attention and they, they think more deeply. When you make quick intuitive leaps, well, you don't know what's influencing you. When you don't think through things systematically and logically, you don't think through, then like you're kind of in a bad position because whatever your unconscious decides to throw at you is what you get. And if you think, well, that's my intuition, it's guiding me. Okay, can you, can you differentiate your, your intuition from your fears? from your childhood programming, from social programming in general, from peer pressure, from the effects of the environment, white psychological noise, things that you don't even tangibly notice, but they influence you. And that can be stuff like the weather. That can be stuff like, and, and the more that you deny that these things exist, the more likely they are to hurt you. When I read the Lucifer effect, um, Philip Zimbardo was the writer of that. He did the Stanford prison experiment back in the day where they took college students, normal college students, healthy kids, and put them in a prison environment. It was all role play, but they started to act as if they were actually in that environment. They started to, the, 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 the actors, well, the role players who were prison guards started to actually abuse the, the kids that were prisoners. And it was a random selection. They, they didn't have anything over them but they started to mis mistreat them. And he did the study on it to figure out like, what, what, what happens here? And a huge part of that, most of the part of it, most of that is that the environment that we're in, the systems that we are enmeshed in have a tangible impact on us. But the thing is that they're invisible. And so it's just, we experience it as pressure to do certain things. And so that can be something like going along with the crowd. Okay. How did Nazi Germany happen? How did all that happen? People went along, nobody defied it. And if they did, they were quickly silenced, which is why I'm so against, you know, censorship. And that's become a big thing lately. You know, you disagree with somebody and yeah, I, I get it. Not everybody agrees with my political opinions or my religious opinions, whatever. That's totally fine, but I want to be able to disagree because when you can't do that, when, when it's just silenced, then that means that people either just go along with the narrative and that could be good sometimes but it also could be extremely dangerous because the environment, if you're one person in a mob and a bunch of people are like, let's loot this city, let's burn this place to the ground. And you're like, one person saying, guys, I don't think we should do that. Well, if it's just you, you're probably not going to turn that back. Right? So if you can, but, but you can have an influence before things get to that point is what I'm saying, but you have to speak up and people don't have to be in a mob situation to feel the same pressure, that same fear that, well, if I stand out from the crowd, then they may hurt me, right? It can be a peaceful thing. It can be a quiet disagreement that's behind closed doors and you can still feel that same pressure. That's why it's very important to be truthful. It's very important to be bold and to, to, to disagree with other people, not simply to disagree, but if you think that something is wrong and you don't speak up, you're guilty of, you know, by, by the sin of omission. And 
it's usually like the really bad stuff in history, the really crazy things. It's usually a couple people that orchestrate this and whether they're evil or if they're just victims of, of the environment too, that's a whole nother debate. We're not going to get into it. The point being that when people just go along with it, that's when true evil is produced and it's always incremental. And I watched and reading this was super reading that book was super interesting because I could think of two things. I could think of boot camp because the systems there are intentionally created. My mouth's super dry today for some reason. It's probably that cigar and coffee I just finished. But um, so boot camp makes those environments intentionally, and it's it's done it's done to brainwash people. Boot camp is a cult, and I had read a few books on cults before I went, so I was aware of what was happening, which is super interesting to observe. Like, hey, like this is me watching myself get brainwashed. How interesting! Now, one, if you know what's going on, it's harder for it to influence you. So that's one good thing. Okay, the other good thing too is that um, once you understand the system, if you if you resist it, that can help tremendously. What gets people and let's move on to the second example, just to illustrate this better. The second place I noticed this was when I was working in clubs. And I would think, well, well, I started, I was like, well, I'm not going to be like these other people. I'm not going to be like these crackheads here doing all this crazy stuff. I'm not going to do all that. A few weeks later, I'm doing all that. Maybe not to the same extent, but I was involved in some pretty crazy stuff. And I kept my head somewhat, not really, but... I watched a lot of people come in, especially young girls like that, that work in that and anything to do with like the club nightlife industry. They, I watched a lot of people become corrupted very quickly. And one thing I noticed, this is well before I read the book. This is like very early days of the podcast too. This is what, this is before I really had a good understanding of um, a lot of the stuff that was happening. I just noticed the pattern over and over again. People would come in, the people that were like, I will not, this is not going to affect me. I'm not like everyone else. We're the, the first ones to fold. They were the ones that like immediately were just became debaucherous, we'll say. They, they just immediately fell into this. They were immediately influenced by the environment. And it's always the people that are confident that, no, 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 no that's not going to happen to me. The people that are like, I don't know, like I'm, I'm actually nervous about this. I hope that this doesn't happen to me. They stood a bit of a chance. And they usually left pretty early because they realized, actually, I am starting to change. I am going with the crowd. So... Be super careful about that. Um, oh crap! I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to close that tab. Oops. Um, there was one more point I wanted to make from that article. I think that I can pull it back up super fast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now that I'm paying attention again. Okay. Got it back up. Last thing. This is just the last point I want to make, but it was a good one. Um, one, by being more humble and understanding that we do have psychological blind spots and that there's certain things that are going to influence us that, that, that makes it easier for us to actually notice things because we're paying attention. If we assume that we're not going to be deceived, that's when we're going to be deceived because manipulative people are good at doing that. 
they play on your emotions. They play, they act in subtle ways, right? Like the, the media influences you a lot of times in subtle ways. So this is what they were, they were talking about. I can't actually find it in here, but they were, they were using, this is the experiment that they used. They found, they took phrases, um, quotations, and some of them were actual wise, like quotes. Um, I'm just going to read it off, but they, but they used these quotes to, to figure out like, they presented them to, to the participants and said, is this a real quote or not? And I, I want to actually emphasize this because this is super interesting. I'm just going to read this paragraph. Half of the statements were, were real quotes from famous public figures that are typically judged to be profound. For example, a river cuts through a rock, not because of its power, but because of its persistence. The other half were randomly generated by an algorithm to have proper grammatical structure, but also to be nonsensical and inherently meaningless. Example, wholeness, quiets, infinite phenomena. Okay. <clears throat> I see the reason I wanted to highlight that is because I see so much nonsense on the internet. These memes, these little feel-good pop psychology things about how just trust your intuition you already are all that you need to be. And like, just like, you know, I know you're lonely, but the right person will appear when you're ready. And it's like, none of these things are true. <laughs> and there's just, there's just people regurgitate them and they take stuff in. And so to understand, like, I think TikTok's a great example because it, it moves so fast, right? Like you can put out something completely nonsensical and have it go viral because people just like, they don't think about it, okay? And so to look at those two statements, a river cuts through a rock, not because of its power, but its persistence, that's a very true thing. And it's very profound and it, it, it matters because it tells us that if you are persistent, you don't have to necessarily be the most powerful. You have to last long enough. You have to keep at it. There's value in that. Wholeness quiets infinite phenomena. And I actually did take a minute and start like playing around with this just to see if I could find meaning. And there, you can make connections from it, but it, it doesn't actually say anything. And I just see so many content creators and so many people in general saying things that don't matter. And I know that people hear some of the stuff that I've been saying lately, in particular things that they may consider to be biased in terms of religious or political. But the thing is that yes, you may disagree with my opinions on that. You may disagree with my beliefs. You may disagree with my thought process. But at least what I'm saying is true and is come, coming from a place that's rational and thought out. It doesn't mean that you have to agree with me. However, I think that it's very important to understand that there's value in having people that actually think for themselves. And you just see more and more content creators that are just saying whatever the, the current trend is. They're just going along with modern opinion. They're getting swept up in the, in the flow of culture and they're not teaching anything lasting. And again, it doesn't mean that I'm always right. The last episode I did is no one's always right, myself included. I make mistakes all the time, but I think things through rationally and in depth. And so would you rather, I think that that's very valuable because people do reach out to me and say, I don't agree with you on this, but I appreciate the fact that you're so honest. I didn't like to hear this, but it was actually what I needed to hear. And so when you just try to say superficial things, and I do this sometimes, just mess, not, not on the show, but I do this on like times when I like to mess with people. I'll just, I'll say things that sound articulate, but I know we're not. 
to see how people react. And almost, I, I've never had anybody call me out and, or even like squinch their face, but that doesn't make sense. People always just, oh yeah, yeah, they go with it. And again, I don't do that on the show. That's not the point of it. That, that's more of a social experiment. It's not something I try to teach people, but it was just like, I was curious, like, do people actually think about what they're hearing? And the truth is that they don't. And so it, if you only take one thing away from this episode or this part of the episode, at least, it's to actually turn your attention towards the things that you are consuming, the things that you were listening to, things that you were hearing that are that you are seeing. Ask yourself, who said this and why? Why do they want me to think that? How does this, how does the structure of what they said actually compare to any of my life experiences? How does this make any sense? The older I get, the more I disagree with people. Yeah, uh, people with that share my beliefs even, because I'll, I'll start to hear something about how you know, something happened and they, they made this connection. I'll say, that's a good point. That actually is true. And then they'll keep talking and their interpretation is like, no, 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 I disagree with that. Absolutely not. Or they say a bunch of true things, but then they say something else that I'm like, oh, whoa, whoa, pump the brakes there. That's not right. And I think that people, they just hear things that sound good or they trust the person or they, they the person says things that matter and that resonate. And then they also slip other stuff in stuff that either doesn't make sense and it's not real or it is intentionally misleading. It's intentionally deceptive, maybe not by that person even, but by whoever communicated it to them, you know, and they just adopted it. I heard, I've, I've shared this before. I've heard people quote TikTok sounds and those TikTok sounds you look into, it's like, it was from a movie and they're, they're adopting it like a philosophy when the reality is it was a scene and it was from a very depressed character who was trying to express that life is meaningless and he just doesn't get it. And like, he's just upset and he wants to die. Right. And nothing matters. And he's very bitter and angry. And it got, somebody made it into a sound and it went viral and people took it as a real thing. Like this is philosophy. <laughs> Stop doing that. <laughs> like think about what you're hearing. Think about what you're allowing into your brain. Question everything. Doesn't mean that you have to, you know, torture yourself. Like we don't know the meaning of life. I can't tell what's true. Like, yes, set some boundaries for yourself. Understand that you're not going to figure everything out, but have some intention behind what you allow to become programmed into you. Cause that's, that's very important. And it's a habit that you can develop. Most people don't think for themselves and everyone knows that, but then they still don't think for themselves. You know, everyone's like, oh, people are so dumb. No one thinks anymore. And then you start talking to them and it's like, well, you don't think either. <laughs> You're just not thinking about different things. Um, so yeah, there's that dynamic, but I hope that this has helped guys. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed it, share with your friends, leave me a five-star review. Um, leave some comments in there. Let me know what you thought. And yeah, make sure you subscribe and like if you haven't already. And I will see you guys soon. Best of luck to you.